0: This past week, the United Nations considered a resolution put before over the status of Israeli settlements along the West Bank. As you know, since Israel was made a nation in 1948, there's been a conflict between Israel and Palestine that really goes back a couple of millenniums, but especially since 1948, over what to do with the settlement along the West Bank. And for the first time, as this resolution has been brought forward a couple of times before, the United States abstained from taking the side of Israel, which had been its past policy. And there's been an uproar on that on both sides, progressives saying, well, we should stand as our own country and not on behalf of Israel. People who are more traditional saying we should stand with Israel and all things. But here's what I find interesting about the entire argument, regardless of what side you're on. Have you seen the settlements that they're making along the West Bank? They are not fighting over the Biltmore. These are our modular homes set in the middle of desert, sand, and ground. And if they were over here in our country, none of us would particularly desire the location or the setting. And I find it interesting that over the past 2,000 years, even since Abraham walked there, over 3,000 years ago, the people who were to see the light of Christ have been fighting over desert land. When the Scripture tells us that we have something much greater available to us than property rights, in fact, it says of Abraham, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. And you get the sense today that we're not really a whole lot that far off from what was taking place 2,000 years ago when they were looking for a Savior to overthrow the Roman Empire, not for a Savior to overthrow the sinfulness of human hearts. And it's that tendency to focus on the temporal rather than the eternal That often gets us into trouble, but I want you to see that there are two people who celebrated Christmas in an unusual way because they had their eyes open to see, and the reason they had their eyes open to see is because they were worshiping God so that they could be watching. Luke with me in Luke chapter chapter 2, beginning in verse 22, and if you don't have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, that is, Jesus. As it is written, the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to whom all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew, became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We are told of Simeon and Anna, two people who devoted their lives to the service of the Lord. And the reason they were able to see the Lord's Christ when many missed him is because they took the time to worship him. And keep in mind that you are worshiping someone or something today, even if it's not God. The world worships many things. Sometimes we worship our possessions. Sometimes we can even worship people who are close to it. And very often what is our greatest temptation is the worship of self, self-indulgence, self-righteousness, self-actualization. Scripture tells us we were created for something far different, though, to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is what happens to Simeon and Anna here. And notice what Luke says to us in his gospel through their example. He tells us that, first of all, we should worship by our walk. Worship by our walk. Notice something about Joseph and Mary here. His parents are obedient to the Lord. What a legacy that is for children. Listen, mom, dad, who are here today, you can do a lot of great things for your kids. You can have them involved in sports and academics and everything in between. Good, good things. But the greatest thing you can ever do is give your children the nurture and foundation of growing up to know the Lord. Nothing greater that you can give to them. Joseph and Mary, though they don't even know what's taking place, Mary's probably a teenager. Joseph's not all that much older. They're outcasts in the city, and yet they've determined, even though they don't understand what's going on, even though they've got a baby that wasn't conceived by either one of them, even though people are judging them and taking them down because they're doing something that's countercultural, they honor God. And God honors them as a result. They worship Him through their walk. Jesus says it very clearly that if any man will serve me, him will my father honor. You will have no greater legacy to your kids and to your grandkids than to honor and to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You won't regret it. He tells us to worship him by our our walk. These two people that the Lord had likely forgotten, but God had not forgotten them, And they take him to the temple for the purification ceremony, as was common. There were actually three separate ceremonies that took place. Number one was the purification of a woman 40 days after the birth. Number two was the presentation of the firstborn to God. And number three was the dedication of the firstborn into the Lord's service. And here we see Simeon, and the very first way in which Simeon is described is not Simeon was a great man, not Simeon had his life together. Simeon's description is the spirit of the Lord was upon him. Oh, that God's spirit would be upon us. You can accomplish in a moment more in the spirit of God than you can in a lifetime without him. And here's Simeon waiting to hear the voice of the Lord because he's been revealed this prophecy in the past he's filled with the presence of god and when he sees joseph and mary walking in with this baby he says mine eyes have seen the lord Now, for people to hear that, that would have been a very odd statement because the Scripture says earlier on in the Old Testament that no man can look upon God and live. Moses gets a glimpse of the glory of God, and he comes down glowing for three days because he's just seen a portion of that Shekinah glory. And yet Jesus will say later on as an adult in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And indeed they have seen God because he's right in front of them as Emmanuel. God with us. <laughs> this is what was given to Peter when he said, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Jesus said, "Blessed are you, Simon, Son of Jonah, because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my spirit." So they worshipped that which was not been told them, they see, that which they have not heard, they understand, to worship by our walk. And then he tells us, we also are, are to worship by our witness. Simeon has something going on. He's hopeful about something. He's expectant that God will deliver Israel. This doesn't mean freedom from trouble. We know that He calls us some to fall and others to rise, some to rise up, others to stumble. And Mary, He tells her that this will be a a difficult time for her because the very joy that she's staring at, one day she will be staring at on the cross as He is pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Mary experiences the whole gamut of salvation, yet she freely offers Him. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might receive the righteousness of God. And Simeon, as a result of listening to the word of the Lord, comes face to face with God. They worship him by their walk, they worship him by their witness, but don't forget this they worship him while they wait. Because the Scripture tells us about someone else, this lady by the name of Anna. The Bible says she had been in church for a long time. She's been in the house of God, and really the only description we're given of her is in verse 37, is that she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She's probably over 100 years old. She's older than than Jean and Thelma and Marjorie, all three of them. They're worshiping the Lord just like they are. And her earthly husband had died after just seven years. She's probably been a widow for 84 years. We don't know much about her except that her ministry is incredibly effective because at that very hour, the hour that Joseph and Mary arrives with Jesus, she begins to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I have a theory about her. You know, Christmas is is often this time of waiting for us, and often this waiting is met with disappointment because as we remember moments of nostalgia from time past and then we come to where we are, we think about all the good memories of Christmas, but Christmas is also a difficult time. You know the most popular month for breakups? December. Do you know that more people die on Christmas Day than on any other day of the year? It's called the Christmas Mortality Effect. They've recently done some research into it. They can't figure out why it is. They figure there's a couple of causes. People are traveling for one thing, so they're in unfamiliar environments. Number two, if you're like me and my family, they're eating more than they probably should, so that causes some problems, as you might imagine. But they also said it goes one of two different directions. It can be for someone who loses hope and just doesn't have the fight to go on because we know the will to live is much stronger than the physical will to live. But, but I'm convinced there are other people who they talk about who manage to hold on till Christmas, and the reason they hold on is because they know they see family and friends on that day. And there's so many who see their family and friends, and shortly afterwards, they go on. I don't know that Anna's not in that exact same position Worshiping the Lord, night and day, all these years, she's lost her husband, she's been by herself for 84 years, surely she's had some problems, and yet she holds on, because she's got hope. Some of you who are struggling today, and you're just wondering, you know, the life that you thought you were going to have hadn't panned out exactly the way that you thought it would, and you've got problems and issues that maybe nobody knows about other than you, and you just wonder, what in the world is God doing in my life right now? I'll tell you what he's doing if you're following him. He's working in your life. Now, if you're being disobedient, he's doing everything he can to get your attention, and I would encourage you to follow him. But if you're seeking to follow the will of God, he is working in your life so that one day you might be conformed to the image of his son so that when you stand before him on that day, you will be prepared. And here's Anna stooped from old age, (laughs) prophesying of the Lord, (laughs) and for the very first time, she sees Jesus. We've got an Anna in our congregation. Name Anna means grace. And the Hallsville Anna And the biblical Anna, and you and I all experience this grace of God through the gift of His Son. I pray that God would grant us more Annas and more Simeons in our churches. People who would say, I will walk with the Lord even when I can't see His plan. People who will say, I will raise my kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because I believe that it's worth it. People who will say, though this world goes to hell, I will stick true to what God has given me in his word because I know that he who is faithful in me will continue that work. And he gives us a commission and he says, this story is your story. This song is your song. As we come to this time of giving towards international missions, we realize that the reason that we are giving this morning is in the same way that Jesus gave. He who was rich became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. And now we give in his place and on his behalf so that millions upon millions of people who have not heard the name of Jesus Christ may one day worship Him. Brothers and sisters who you will not meet in this earthly life, God grant that on the other side they will come and they will say, but for you, brother, but for you, sister, I would not have heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for worshiping Jesus with everything that you've got. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.